0: Now, for the Faith FM Breakfast Show, with your hosts, Lyle and Lawson. Good morning, welcome everybody. You're listening on 87.6, 87.8, or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. Special shout out to everybody listening this morning from Horsham, Victoria on 87.6, Hillsville, Victoria on 88.0, Tea Gardens, New South Wales on 87.6.
1: Lawson. Amazing. What's up? Ask me what I'm thankful for. <laughs> what are you thankful for, Lyle? Cinnamon buns. Really? Yes. Why?
0: I, you know, I don't really have a sweet tooth, uh-huh. but I came home yesterday and there were cinnabun, cinnamon buns and they uh-huh. were homemade uh-huh. and they were absolutely
1: unbelievable. I, I totally agree. For a special treat, once in a while. I love like cinnamon buns, danishes, those kinds of things. I can't eat most of them. These were made by Producer Shell. But Producer Shell, fantastic job. I could imagine it'd be awesome because Shell makes great food. Off the charts. Mm, That'd be awesome. There is a a girl who goes to my church, shout out Jenny. She's Vietnamese and she has you know given her life to Christ and become a Christian over here in Australia, coming to one of our local universities. And uh, as a member of our church, she was like, I want to get into baking. And now she is literally one of the best vegan bakers I know. And wow. every lunch, every church lunch, every Friday night hangout, it's just fantastic. It's vegan leamingtons, vegan cake. Like, ah, oh, dude, I love, I love sweet treats as well. They're just the
0: best. Yes, every now and then it's nice to have a sweet treat. Mm. Just not all the time. <laughs> Can't live off it.
1: You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. With He
0: Leadeth Me, it is the Breakfast Show here on Faith FM, and we're about to get into positively different news. Before we do, we have
1: the first question for our quiz. Fill in the blank. But God commands. Sorry, sorry. Let me let me start that one again. But God commanders. His love. Man, is this written correctly? Is it God's commands, his love towards us? Um, in that while we were still. Oh, okay. Man, I'm. Let me read this because there's some, there's some, there's some typos. <laughs> there's some typos. There's some typos You're, in this verse. He's struggling here. And, and, and it's I, Monday. It's I Monday. This is Monday. It's not through. Monday. It's Friday. <laughs> we had the day off yesterday. But the problem is, is the verse has a mistake in it. And then I don't want to say the. So let me there see. There's only one tiny mistake. Let me see. It let me see. It. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Lyle, Lyle's going to take it over this time. He okay. doesn't usually do the quiz. I'll do. I'll do the text messages later down the show. But God commendeth His love toward us oh. in that while we were yet blank, Christ died for us. All right, all right. If you, you you guys know it, let me read it one more time. God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet blank, Christ died for us. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. You know it's awesome. Learn, learn. <laughs>
0: Stop. 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 See, it's always an advantage when you've got a sermon on this verse. Yeah, yeah. 100%.
1: (laughs) Uh, Also, I don't read the King James. I I am a new King James kind of guy. But 0491 064 669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you will be able to win our amazing prize that's going to be drawn at 845 today. From plant to plate, diabetes edition, turning fresh, simple foods into a delicious habit by Temi Bivens. We have the ability to combat lifestyle diseases like diabetes and the way that we have to, the the ability, the method that we have to combat it is wholly and solely through lifestyle and specifically diet. If you would like to be able to not suffer from lifestyle diseases, or you know someone who could maybe use this cookbook as help and you want to go into the draw, 0491 064 669. Again, that question was, that fill in the blank was, but God commandeth his love toward us in that why we will yet blank, Christ died for us.
0: Okay, let's have some positively different news and please tell me you're going to talk about flying
1: motorbikes. No. Is that a news story? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Are you going to. Uh, wow, that looks funky. I'm um, the world's first flying bike, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. Okay, it kind of looks like a quad though, and that's why it's it's throwing me off. <laughs> He's up here. Because it's, it's you know it, that doesn't look like a motorcycle. No, I wanted to talk about things that are also happening in the science. Actually, I've got a story coming up that's coming from the driving. See, it all folds up. That is wild. Lyle's showing me pictures in here in the studio at the moment of flying motorcycles. That it kind of looks like a jet ski, but instead of having you know a bottom. Well, I was going to go water. with a snowmobile yeah yeah but, but it's in that genre there somewhere. Well, hey, look, I did report on a story earlier this week where United Airlines have just bought flying e v toll cars, so yes. maybe maybe this is the next step if, anyone, if any hire company out there wants to buy a bunch of these and, and use them, the problem is like how is that even even legal that that I always just get how would you hire out? a single seater flying motorcycle to people what kind of license do you need to obtain what kind of insurance do you need to yeah, pay that's right that's right i'm a little bit i'm always i've always been skeptical of of flying cars because it's like someone has to drive them and what kind of license do they need to have but i was going to talk about actually let's let's talk about this let's yes. talk about this this is a bit of a controversial subject Lyle, something that has caused controversy this is a little bit Out of date happened in the last couple of weeks. But before I get into the controversial one, uh, I'll just say this. Australian roads have been going uh, viral for two different reasons. The first reason is that Australia, down in in Victoria, and check this out, Victoria is being innovative amazing to think. Uh, shout out to my Victorian friends. Um, but down in Victoria, they have started to use paint for roads that is glow in the dark. So from this point going forward if they're painting roads, Victorian Road Council whatever they're called in up here, it's, we we just refer to it as like the RMS or Service New South Wales, down in Victoria, their organisation, they have started to paint all their new roads that well, particularly country roads that they create or that they service or or update or retar or whatever, they are painting all the lines on those roads with glow-in-the-dark paint so that people can see in the dark, so that it's, you know, nice and clear what they're doing and where they're going. It's also pretty helpful for pedestrians as well, walking in these places. So, that's something good that's happening in the space of Australian roads. The, that's,
0: that's that's awesome.
1: The other uh, story, the controversial story. So, a number of weeks ago, we had a terrible, fatal crash in Sydney where five teenagers d- dr- mm. died. There was a teenager at the wheel driving irresponsibly and lots of questions were asked after this incident as to what... Uh, what measures should be taken to ensure road safety for young people? Because they have seen a, you know, definite rise and sustained rise in young people dying on the roads. About 25% of all road fatalities are people under 25, which people under 25 only account for 15% of people driving. Now you could chalk that up to them being novices or inexperienced which is usually like it's part def- of the story. definitely a huge factor. A factor they've also seen that the split between people passing away as a result of uh road vata- fatalities has been very gendered so 155 males to 48 females there is no surprise there which makes there sense there is a biological difference 100% but now because of this research uh a proposal has been put forward to road safety here in New South Wales to restrict males men's ability to drive until they turn 21. <gasps> No, that's a terrible idea. So, this is this is the no, proposal that's been put forward because no. the research, the outcome of the research no, is that there's a no, gendered split no, and no. more males are causing fatalities no. and dying. The solu- that is not the
0: solution. The solution is to start males driving at the age of 12, but not on the road. Mm-hmm. So, I Because that way, that way when, you know, you get that 18-year-old that is 18 years old and irresponsible, packed full of um 18 year old hormones Mm. testosterone etc and they go nuts because it's something new Mm. whereas if you start them at the age of 12 then it's not anything new it's something they have already mastered and been doing for years every Mm. 12 year old needs a paddock basher
1: yeah i like i am i have been the beneficiary of having a paddock basher growing up i had a speed we had like a professional speedway track built in my backyard for me to practice motorcycles and then we'd take the paddock basher on there and do skids and drifts and stuff it was incredibly fun but again the the question is how do you solve this problem and they're they're looking at a few different methods i just gave you the solution i i agree with you i think the the solution to these kinds of problems is education Yes. The solution to these kinds of problems is education. And why in Australia we don't have driver training in high schools is probably like the biggest tragedy ever. It's kind of weird,
0: isn't it? We've never done that. Yeah. So much of the rest of the world does. Yeah. And so much of the rest of the world, it is so much ridiculously easier to get a driver's license. Mm -hmm. You go down to the police station, you're like, I turned 18, I need a driver's license. You get a driver's license because Mm -hmm. you've already done driver's ed all the way through the last year of... You know, high mm. school and all that kind of stuff. Um, there is so much that we could do that doesn't involve just like a knee jerk reaction of, well, let's raise it to the age of 21
1: before you're allowed to drive. That's that right.
0: is going to be very unpopular.
1: Yeah, oh, 100%. If I couldn't drive until the age of 21, obviously now it doesn't affect me because I'm older than 21, but that would just be the worst thing ever. Like, you took, I, I honestly think that the impact that it would have on the Australian economy would be tremendous because imagine... Who's making this proposal? Uh, just certain, like... Organizations. Organizations, yeah. That's incredibly sexist. Yeah, but... And it's, and it's funny, in the world that we live in, they're seeing that there's a clear gendered difference... In what's taking place here. It's like, obviously, there's some kind of biological. So you would have difference.
0: a whole slew of young guys that would just transition or claim transition. Yeah, that just was. Just for the purpose
1: of getting a license. I saw some comments on this post was shared on Facebook, and it's like, the amount of people transitioning is going to go through the roof. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting stuff right here, right now. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different.
0: Interested to hear your thoughts. We've got a few opinions coming through already on the text line. I see. Yeah. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Let's have a- another question for our quiz.
1: I was just thinking, let's just, let's just ban driving. It's too dangerous. Right. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Let's fly instead. Uh, let's ban transport. Let's, let's just no. Let's just no. Let's just, become. Just, let's become Amish let's and just, all drive horse and cart. No, oh, but pray the Lord comes and we just fly. <laughs> problem solved Amen. problem solved totality's done let's have a- another clue for the quiz another question in 1st Thessalonians Paul applauded the church because it became a model to all the believers in Archaea and what other region? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you will go into the draw to in from plant to plate Diabetes Edition by Tammy Bivens. We are giving that away at around 845. Today we're gonna have our draw. But again that question was in First Thessalonians, Paul applauded the church because it became a model to all the believers in Archaea and which other region, 0491
0: All right, let's move on to some more serious news this morning. And we've got a couple of churches that have been disfellowshipped in the United States. Hmm. In fact, the whole congregation just booted out of the Southern Baptist Convention. And we're going to look at... Why that took place? The first one we're going to talk about is College Park Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina, mm. We're disfellowship for open affirmation, approval, and endorsement of homosexual behavior. Oh, so yeah, this is on their church website. They're like, "Yeah, we're a proudly uh, affirming LGBT plus church. We perform same-sex marriages, etc., etc., etc." And the Southern Baptist Convention is like, "Okay, that's against our doctrines. Uh, it's against the teaching of the Bible." And so, you know, you're no longer a part of our denomination. Mm. The second one is the Amazing Grace Community Church in Frankville, uh, New Jersey, for discriminatory behavior. Mm. Doesn't really give a whole lot of detail on what that discriminatory behavior was. Maybe somebody else out there. Has some more details or a link that they can send me as to what they were disc- who they were discriminating against, but apparently they refused to back down from their discrimination, and so they have also been booted out. Mm. Coming back to the issue of the uh, College Park Church, the Southern Baptist Convention Statement of Belief uh, of the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 says Christians should oppose all forms of sexual immorality. Mm including adultery, homosexuality, and pornography. Mm. We express our love to those who struggle with same-sex attraction and who are engaged in the homosexual lifestyle. We stand against any form of gay bashing, whether disrespectful attitudes, hateful rhetoric, or hate-inclined actions toward persons who engage in, homo- in acts of homosexuality. We encourage our fellow Southern Baptists to consider how they and their churches might engage in compassionate, redemptive ministry to those who struggle with homosexuality, we proclaim that Christ offers forgiveness of sin for those who turn from their sins and believe on Christ for the forgiveness of sin. That's the statement of the Southern Baptist Convention and it's a pretty big, blue, statement. Mm. I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to find something to uh, criticise there from the standpoint of Scripture. Mm.
1: Totally, and uh, yeah, I went on their website, the College Park Church, and yeah, it's just they, just seeing on their website. I was reading through, there wasn't like any gay pride flags or anything, but they're like, we are a welcoming and affirming church. Like that's that's yeah, that's their just, stance. That's the one that they want to take, yep. and uh, it's they in-
0: have the freedom
1: and the liberty to do so. It's interesting that just not within the Southern Baptist Convention. It's interesting because the, Sub- Sub- the Southern Baptist Convention is like all about autonomy That's their big deal. Very like much so. All the churches can act autonomously and, yeah, we bring them together, but I guess they've seen this issue and they said, well, we don't want this to represent us, and they've put the, their foot down.
0: And this is this, this is the same on, you know, basically they are like many, many other churches out there where they have different levels of autonomy, mm. but they also have boundaries. Mm. And some churches have very close boundaries. Some churches have very loose boundaries. Some churches have boundaries somewhere in between. And for them, this is a boundary, one of the boundaries that they have created. And this particular church has stepped over that line. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, they've been given the left foot of fellowship. Mm. Wow. Uh, Be interesting to hear this. this, I haven't been able to find out any details on this amazing grace church that has been disfellowshipped for discrimination. Yeah, wow. Um, That's it. That's... It's been a long time since I think a church has been disfellowshipped for discrimination. Mm. All right, where are we heading to next? And this is an interesting story. This is researchers in the United States, a new study that's come out, looking at the dangers to national health and the economy as a result of the decline in spirituality in the United States. Really? Really? Okay, so this new study uh, details that religion provides about one point two trillion dollars per year to the socioeconomic value of the u s economy that's a that's a lot of money mm. it's the biggest it's the biggest business sector that there is in the United States and interestingly enough in Australia as well. A lot of people don't take that into consideration. did you say religion yes as a as a sector all combined together absolutely. Wow. There is nothing that comes close to it in competition particularly in the US. Wow. And so if you do away with that, that's a big chunk of your economy that's like, okay, what do you replace that with? Mm. But then they dug a little bit deeper into that and they've said they've noticed things like uh, faith-based s- volunteer support groups contribute 316.6 Billion dollars in savings to the U.S. economy every year with wow. no cost to taxpayers. That's three hundred and sixteen point six billion dollars. That of like aid that the United, United States government number, doesn't need. To okay, so while you're trying to swallow that, that number is only the area of substance abuse.
1: R- So just like Alcoholics Anonymous, that's right. Uh, Wow.
0: Okay, so you know you get some studies out there that say, oh, you know, uh, religion is 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 bad for people and it drives them to uh, drug abuse and alcohol abuse. That's about two percent of studies. Eighty-four percent of studies point out that it has a positive factor in addiction prevention and recovery, um,
1: and a risk of less than two percent. Which which person is becoming? Christian to go and do drugs. Uh, No, what they're they're saying is that, you
0: know, people who are abused in church, Uh, um, but when you actually dig into it, that's less than 2% of people who are at risk and they're at much higher risk in the general community. Mm. So you're going to be at risk anywhere. We've got to recognise that, you know, that you you cannot outlaw risk. Mm -hmm. You cannot outlaw accidents. Mm -hmm. They are going to happen. Um, they pointed out that there is a correlation between declining religion and growing drug-related deaths in the United States. Religious youth are three times less likely to binge drink alcohol, four times less likely to consume illegal drugs.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, Teens with substance use disorder say that remaining connected to God was the top reason they remained sober Post, post rehab, wow. and this is something that David Haupt has pointed out here on this show many times over, because this is an area in which he has dedicated a huge portion of his life is rehabilitation, and so many times over, you know, with the twelve step programs, the moment they tried to, you know, which have been wildly successful. Mm. The moment the government stepped in and said, well, we need to create a secular version of this because, you know, we've got to maintain separation of church and state. And if we start doing state funded ones, then we can't have spirituality in there because then we're promoting a religion. Well, you're kind of not. You're just promoting spirituality. But, you know, they took that view. And uh, they have all failed dismally because they have mm. no effect. You can do a 12 step program to your heart's content without that spiritual factor in it. Mm it will not work wow and that has been uh, shown to be the case over and over and over again mm. finally we've got this uh one last study here that shows that post uh, the Christian school enrollment enrollment has boomed 80 percent increase post covid pandemic wow uh so Wait,
1: which country is this in this is
0: once again in the United states uh-huh So 80% of Christian schools in the United States, uh, their numbers have gone up. The top three challenges that they are currently facing, 67% of private school teachers say having enough classroom space. Mm. Um, Then seven of the top ten ten challenges were financial. And this, of course, was due to massive inflation combined with a recession. But everybody's pulling out of the public schools all of a sudden. And the number one reason, social concerns. Mm -hmm.
1: You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different.
0: We're going to be back just after, in, in a moment after Lawson gives us the next question for the quiz. We have an interview with Owen Shaw. Many of you will remember we did a week long feature going through Owen Shaw's personal t- story, mm-hmm. and we really didn't have time to cover that story in full. So we mm-hmm. asked Owen to come back into the studio. We spent another about another hour and a half going through the rest of his story. Just an amazing story. Of course, it's a, we're, he's, he's speaking under a pseudonym. He doesn't want to, you know, uh, provide any hurt for any of the people who are uh, featured in the story. And uh, so we got him back into the studio. We recorded a whole bunch more. And so we're going to be bringing that to you as we have opportunity. So if you enjoyed the Owen Shaw testimony, then we're going to have more of it just after Lawson gives us the next
1: question for our quiz. What was the water from the water pots usually used for that Jesus used at the marriage feast to make the wine from? So what was the water in those water pots, what would he, what was it usually used for? 491 64 is the number to call or text. You will go into the draw to win plant a plate diabetes edition, which we'll be drawing at 845 today. But again, that question was, what was the water from the water pots usually used for that Jesus was using to turn water, to turn water into wine?
0: Welcome back, everybody. Joining us in the studio again this morning is Owen Shaw to continue his story. So we were able to have Owen Shaw in the studio to record, I guess, the first half of his story. Mm. And we weren't sure whether we'd get an opportunity to continue with that. But Owen, you've been called up to this part of the world again. And that just happened to coincide, praise God, with a phone call that I made. And so you're back in the studio. We're looking forward to hearing more installments for this story. Hopefully, we'll get a chance to finish it. Me too. This time around. (laughs) Last time we were talking about you was you facing some severe financial difficulties, Mm. and God has just stepped in while you're sitting on a boat at summer camp with pretty much no future in front of you, and God's given you a future. It was just a truly miraculous story. You've also
2: in a situation where you need to find another house. Yeah, look, he he certainly gave me a full reset and I started looking for another house.
0: You were living in a rather rough suburb from memory?
2: No, so I'd actually moved and... Okay, so you moved from the rough suburb. Yep. With my second marriage came another house, a place that was a bit better, actually across the road from a church that I was attending and I'd been sick for a long time. Things weren't going well at this relationship and it was still spiraling out of control.
0: So you're across from this church, you attending this church. Mm. Where does your spouse fit into
2: that equation? What's her faith background? Does she come to church with you? or She was at the time. And eventually we had this really honest discussion about where I was headed in my faith journey. You know, I think I told you that I surrendered completely when I asked my spouse if she wanted to come along. She actually flatly refused me to my face and said, I don't believe in this anymore. I think that was really gut-wrenching because of the fact that I thought that she was going to be with me for the rest of my life and I thought that that's what I'd, I'd married into and yet here I am at the precipice of another relationship actually biting the dust. Mm.
0: That's and- rough when, you've, when it's the second time around and you're not an old person. That's got to be hard on,
2: on yourself emotionally, extra hard. Oh, especially when you're already down because of the fact that you've been dealing with illness for such a long period of time, and yet you, you can't seem to manage to keep your household together. Kids aren't enjoying life at home either. Stuff got out of control in my second relationship. She was not very nice towards the end of things and caused a lot of destruction for our family. Before she started attending church with you, did she have a faith background before that? She did, but it was very on and off, and I think a lot of people basically put on a mask to go to church. They aren't actually in it more than ankle deep. I I really felt like I wanted her to be there with me, and yet she wasn't there. Yeah, that's very challenging. So where did that relationship... So it it imploded, and I've told you the story of how, you know, God solved my finances and things like this. This is actually after that marriage had actually ended. One day I came home and the house was emptied out. It was gone. Everything was taken except for pretty invaluable objects. It was gut-wrenching. And I was trying to work on it. Like I'd been reading books and trying to help myself, even though I was was struggling to get get out of bed. I was still trying to work on my relationship. As one of the counsellors said, she was looking for a relationship outside of our marriage. And the kids? Kids are all over the shop at this point. It's very, very hard for them. I don't think... Many people consider children when they're actually going through something that's so close to home. Mm. You know, they don't consider the damage that it actually does to children. You know, the anxiety that it causes for them. I had two girls, one from my previous marriage. Both of them still struggled. Mm -hmm. I didn't get told until two months afterwards, I actually got told by family and community services that my eldest daughter was actually kicked down the stairs by my second wife. I guess that really came at a point where I I was very much struggling with the relationship because i was obviously pining after my ex-wife just hoping to get her back or whatever you want to call it it was actually silly i went to a personal development course and this personal development course is is like a forum and there's people that get up and they talk about the struggles that they are actually having in their life there was this lawyer that got up in front of me and i'm sitting there kind of just pining after my my relationship he gets up and he talks about the fact that he'd had an ex-wife, three years, they'd been separated, and he was still pining after her. I was looking at that scenario, sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, this is going to be me in three years. He, he was holding up his divorce settlement to try and get her back. The leader of the personal development cause basically got up and said, are you living in reality right now? You know, are you living in reality with your relationship? Because the truth of the matter is that she's moved on, I'm assuming. And he was like, Yeah, you know, she's got another boyfriend or whatever. And he said, Oh, you know, why are you holding up the settlement? Oh, because I want to get her back. And he's just like, You're not living in reality. Mm. You're living a completely. And this is a, 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 an life. extremely
0: intelligent person who has a degree yeah. in law. Yeah. They're not an unintelligent person. But it just goes to show how much
2: our judgment can be clouded when we're going through emotional trauma. Talking about judgment clouded, I was basically not giving God the glory for what he'd done in my life, even at this point. I'm still struggling with my own spirituality. This is where the story of Gideon, to me, became a central point in what I experienced.
0: Okay, so this story of Gideon, because you mentioned this to me briefly, and you heard
2: a sermon on Gideon, six oh, uh, weekends in a row? Oh, it wasn't just one sermon. It was six sermons in a row. I didn't feel like a lawyer by the other end of that. Was,
0: was, you. was this your local church just said, like, ah, oh, let's do a series. Let's, <laughs> no, let's do no, Gideon it for a, series. It was
2: not a series. I was actually um, church hopping at the time.
0: Church hopped in. The, okay, so God's got a God's very clearly got a message for you in the story of Gideon then.
2: Yeah, and I didn't get it. The first one that I heard was actually Jeremy Anderson at Converge, one of our young adult, Camps that we had okay. yep. and this is like a young is, adult convention. My, my relationship ended when I was at that camp, it was over. Like that was when she went into the house and picked up everything. And, and that was actually the first time I heard the story of Gideon told in such a captivating way. Hmm. Does everybody know the story of Gideon or do you well, want me to give yeah, you a... Let me,
0: let, me, let me give you a brief rundown of the story of Gideon. So Gideon was somebody who was, he was pretty much the youngest youngest of his family. He was the least significant. A lot of his family had been lost fighting the... Midianites. Midianites. I was going to say Moabites. I'm like, it's not the Moabites, the Midianites. They'd been oppressing Israel for, you know, decades. God calls him to fight off the Midianites and he's like, oh, no, who am I? I'm the least of the least of the least of the least of my... From the least tribe, I'm from the... The least of my father's family. My father's family is the least in the tribe. And he's like, I'm I'm a nobody. And starts to come up with all these excuses. And God's like, no, you go do it. He's like, okay, well, wait here and I'll go and get you some food. And if you're still here when I get back, then maybe you're real and I'm not hallucinating. And he gets back, the angel's still there. All the way through, he's trying to find ways out. He puts out a fleece. He puts out a fleece again. If the fleece is wet, then I'll go. If the fleece is dry, then I'll go. And then he's still unsure. And God comes and says, oh, you've got 32,000 men. That's too many. There's 120,000 Midianites, but 32,000 is too many to take it on. God whittles it down to 10. He's starting to freak out. And, of course, God says 10,000 is too many. Mm. God whittles it down to 300. So, you know, you have the, the famous story of the 300 at the Battle of Thermopylae. Pales into insignificance when you consider because they lost at the Battle of Thermopylae. Mm, they, did. they were wiped out to a man. Mm. Whereas with Gideon, with his 300, they actually gained a victory. So then God's like, okay, go over to the Midianites in the night, and here's a story over there of a dream, and it's a dream about Gideon actually gaining a victory over the Midianites, and eventually he goes to war with the Midianites, and God gives him the victory over the Midianites. And during this whole process, of course, he's fighting with his family, he's fighting with the worshippers of Baal, uh, and 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 idolaters, idolaters, you know, there's all kinds of things going on in the story of Gideon.
2: So what do you think would be the one thing that God is actually trying to get to me out of six stories that I hear about Gideon <laughs> told in different ways, and yet I'm sitting there kind of not getting it for a hell of a long time? I'll tell you what, when the penny dropped, the penny dropped. Okay, so there's a lot of things that you can get out of the story of Gideon. Yeah. What was Gideon... Testing for when he was actually putting out that fleece. What was he trying to gain an understanding of?
0: Again, there's a few different aspects to this, and a few different perspectives that you can look at it from. He was feeling very, very insecure and unable, and lacking
2: in his ability to be able to fulfill the calling of God on his life. Mm. And he didn't, he didn't want to just know that God was calling him. He was, he was terrified of failure. Yeah. So what he was actually looking for, and what the penny dropped was the fact that he just wanted to know that God was with him. Yes. At my point in life, I didn't know if God was for me or against me.
0: Because it looked like for Gideon that everything was against him. Mm. Even when he raises an army, the army is four times too small. Mm. It's way too small. And then it just gets smaller and smaller.
2: And it's about the fact that God can use your small little tiny bit I never thought that God would ever call me or use me in the way that he is using me now. And we're going to get to that point eventually in this story where you actually see what God's actually called me to do now and where I am from where I was. I was broken and taken and mm-hmm. I was... And
0: God, and God God sends you to hear the story of Gideon. I guess the thing that jumps out to me here is the patience of God because he sent you to hear that story at Converge and then God's like, I oh, didn't get it. Uh, mm. I'll send him over here. Oh and, and, and then so... guys like, he still didn't get it. it, it this <laughs> was over
2: the space of about five weeks. The last time I heard it, I was sitting in the church going, God, seriously, what do you want me to get? I'm so sorry I'm so stupid. Like <laughs> I, have, I have no idea what you're actually trying to get to me. And when, when the penny dropped, he was just trying to show me that he was with me. Yep. Yep. And when I realized that he was with me, I was like, okay, time to stop. I wonder whether really?
0: any of our listeners have ever had an experience like that. I've never heard of somebody having an experience like that where God has just hit you with the same message over and over again. I mean,
2: over and over again. <laughs> for me,
0: my reaction would have been like, really? Again? I know this off by heart. You know, maybe I'll just phase out or plan my phone for half an hour until it's over. Praise God you didn't, and praise God you recognised
2: that God was trying to reach you with a message specifically for you. There is a lot to be gained when we actually listen. Yes. And maybe I wasn't listening the first five times. (laughs) So this is right in the peak of your second marriage
0: breaking up. Mm -hmm. Your wife has left while you were at the first Gideon sermon. God keeps coming back to you again and again and again. You eventually get the message that God is with you,
2: but does that mean that all of your troubles are over? Ah, oh, absolutely not! Look, things still went downhill. We better leave this for the next.
0: Sure. Okay. So we'll we will continue with this story next time around. But the moral of this story is: if you hear the same sermon twice, take notice. Take notice because <laughs> God has a message for you. Sometimes it happens, and God's got a message for you. Don't make God send you to the same one six times. Uh yes. We're going to come back with more of Owen Shaw's story. Right